Welcome to a very special series here on Headroom. Travel to the Holy Land of Jordan and to the capital city of Amman. A generous people steeped in shared displacement over generations, forming a lively culture of food, family, respect, and tradition. Journey with me across the world to Amman, Jordan. This is Headroom. Well, Yusuf, I just want to say I, I, <laughs> I've, I've been very lucky to interview lots of incredible people and thoughtful people around the world over the last decade. And oftentimes I feel as if I press the record button at just the right time. But we've already been talking for about 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, in the back of my mind, I've been thinking, I wish I would have been recording because uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to what we now will talk about officially because of just the, already the nature of the discussion I thought was was very compelling. We're, we're here to talk a little bit about uh, VentureX and the origins of it, sort of what the objectives are. Um, but if we don't mind, because we have the time, I would love for the audience to understand who you are, who I am sitting next to uh, in a shared space. So give me a little bit of the personal story of, of you, Yusuf, here uh, as we sit in, in Amman, Jordan. I mean, uh, first, thanks for the opportunity. Um, uh, there's a, um, I mean, drawing a, a, the canvas, basically, of my background, it's uh, quite, uh, I would uh, say, at least diverse and, and, and compelling. So I was born in Beirut. Uh, I was born on the 1st of January. Um, and um, why was I born in Beirut? The reason for that specifically was that um, 10 years before that date, I mean, nine years and a half probably, in 1962, there was a coup in Yemen. Um, my father was studying German. He was basically studying economics in, in, uh, um, in Germany. And um, September 26 came, came along, uh, and he hears in the news that there's a coup in, in, in Yemen, and his father, amongst many others, were executed. So September 26 was really that, uh, um, um, you know, to create this paradigm shift where he had to leave and depart uh, whatever future uh, that he, he had foreseen for himself. And um, just left, flew into Beirut, from there went to um, uh, Saudi Arabia and entered into uh, Yemen again. And, and that's a, a, a moment where it was the beginning of what people were just about to uh, you know, find out. I mean, so it was a coup. It was a, Nasseri, a, a Nasserite-supported um, um, uh, uh, coup. And, um, and then you know, the Egyptian army basically took uh, presence. Uh, and Yemen was pushed into this uh, uh, situation where uh, it entered into a war that lasted between 62 until 70. During that period, my father now said basically uh, uh, leading forces against the Egyptians uh, and witnessing a lot of uh, you know um, challenges in the first three years. Um, the women of the family were also uh, under house arrest, so it was like a, a race to try to um, uh, bring out whoever was still in prison by uh, the ability to have an, an, an exchange of prisoners, which was more or less delivered in around 65. Um, in that, during that period, that's where my father basically met my mother. Um, uh, her father was a tribal head, you know, leading uh, um, um, thousands of people under his responsibility. And, uh, and during that period, um, you know, coming towards the late, late 60s, uh, my mother f f moving from a very uh, 
small town and village in, 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 in the middle of uh, Yemen, uh, moved to Beirut. And, um, uh, and you know, that's basically where, uh, where I was born. And I'm one out of a total of 11 uh, siblings. 11. Um, I'm the fourth in terms of age, basically. And, uh, um, and since then, I mean, you know, it was Lebanon. I went to England and spent uh, quite a while. At, at 70, you know, 70s, more or less, were in, in the UK. And um, went back and, uh, to Lebanon, studied economics, uh, or, you know, fast forward, I went to study economics again in, 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 uh, in Saudi Arabia and Riyadh. And uh, from there, my, you know, my first job was uh, in Procter & Gamble, where I was in human resources. Um, and, uh, you know, beyond that, uh, that's, where I get, uh, that's, that's also when I got married. Um, I was quite young. I was around 25 when I got married. And, um, uh, and now I'm basically uh, in Amman, Jordan, uh, I have four children. Uh, my, my eldest has just graduated from school and she's been working out of London. Um, and the other three siblings, or the other three children basically are here in Amman, one in the transitional period going to university, uh, probably somewhere in Europe. Uh, and, uh, you know, the youngest uh, 15 and 13 year olds are, uh, are a handful. So, I mean. <laughs> and you were sharing before we started the interview, you were talking about uh, different sort of ports of call or places that you have spent time in the United States. If we take that with all of your travels, I mean, tell me about the meaning of travel for you in your own development as a man. Well, I mean, um, every individual takes every step in a specific journey um, in a different way. I mean, my, uh, um, I used to take the opportunity to, of, uh, you know, when, when, when I got the chance to travel, uh, to use that as an opportunity to get to know the culture and, and, and the people uh, um, of the cities that I basically go and, and, and meet with. So um, um, I felt that at least within my limited time on this earth, I guess, or the, con or the, or the uh, contribution I could even, even give my, my children, I mean, looking at they, that they live in an extended family structure. So if they want to have fun, they can have that uh, with, with their uh, and uh, cousins and, and so forth. So whenever I got the chance to go to a specific city, I'd spend time in, in, in the libraries of the city itself and you know, visiting the museums of that specific city, um, understanding the, uh, the history, the art, and, and, and just trying to go to the, uh, to the corners of that city that generally the you know, uh, tourists don't go to. So you, you, you get to feel and talk to individuals in a way that's totally different. And they, um, and they and they share with you uh, those experiences, and they really stick with you. You know, um, having um, uh, or you know taking coffee or having uh, spending time in a cafe in in in, in Paris, uh, um, or you know going to. I mean, one has had that opportunity of going east and west, and as far as uh, um, uh, Shanghai and and uh, to the east, and and as far as uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco to the west. So, and in between that message that you get from travel is, um, um, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's so many billions of people living on this earth. And um, you have to be conscious that you uh, uh, need to understand the, you know, the, the, the struggle that they all go through, um, the daily challenges that they witness, and to be humbled by it. And travel basically makes me humble. So it makes me uh, feel what others uh, go through, their aspirations, their uh, um, their interests and what they want to achieve for their personal uh, uh, 
you know, interest, families, and so forth. And and it's very interesting that when you go across this, uh, you know, universal um, uh, trail, I, I guess, is, is, is you see that there's one unifying, there's so many things that unify human beings. You know, you sit with somebody in Shanghai and, and she or he has... Um, 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 uh, interest, aspirations, pains, uh, issues that are just so similar to anyone sitting in Cairo or in Amman or in Beirut or in in in, in any other place for that matter. So it's it's um, it's humbling to see that they're all facing the same issues, uh, that they all have uh, similar aspirations, um, that they all want to be better individuals, um, whether for themselves or for their families and the people that they care for. So. Um, so I guess travel for me is always uh, an invitation to be humble and, and, and to uh, uh, engage with uh, communities to better understand your own uh, weaknesses and, 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 and what you can do, hopefully, to deliver that change for people around you. Have you always had that sensitivity, like an emotional radar that you can pick up on the nuance? Because you speak, you speak to it as it being commonplace to you and your experience, but I would say that I wish there were more USEPs. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I, it, it does have a, um, uh, uh, it's, it's rooted to an extent, and, and I, I, I think I, I, I try my best to do that also with my own children, and I hope that they can pick that up uh, you know, going down the road. But it was, it was really rooted in the way that I was brought up. I mean, I was brought up in a way where um, um, uh, there's this, uh, you, it's, 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 it's as if, you know, you're told I was being basically always set up for um, uh, being universal in your outlook. You, know, you have to basically, you have to understand others. You have to be tolerant of other cultures. Um, uh, you have to, and the only way that you can do that is by um, uh, you know, developing the knowledge curve that you have of those societies, um, uh, that you don't build opinion uh, um, without understanding uh, the opinion of those that you're trying to judge. You never judge others unless you have a clear understanding of, of uh, uh, the context of those individuals that you want to judge, if you are in a position where you want to judge people. And judgment happens, I mean, it doesn't, it's not associated with any political or uh, you know, authority or any structure of power. Uh, everybody basically goes into the cycle of judgment, and um, uh, and judgment creates a uh, um, um, uh, you know reactions. Uh, you know, you you, uh, you you meet someone, and 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 for some specific reason, if you've been brought up in a specific way, you already have a judgment of that individual. So the way that you react to that individual becomes very much influenced by. Uh, you know, by you know what 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 biases that have been uh, created within you. So, um, so I think it's really the the uh, the nature of how I was brought up, and and it's attributed not that you know the the context of things is, is uh, you know my father at least within our context was married to uh, uh, four different wives, and and he spent time between different uh, uh, you know different places. Um, uh, so what, what in, in, in the context of how we were brought up was that, A, the bar would be set high. So, you know, we would all understand exactly what did we need to do to um, uh, deliver on, these diff- on, on the expectations that he had. And that also he uh, uh, and, and, and the 
social and cultural expectations of where we 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 came from. So so where where I came from was always something that uh, resonated, uh, you know, in 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 or was let's say top of mind, right? So you know you have a, a thousand plus leg a thousand plus year legacy, so you have to always be conscious of that. Um, so I think it's a burden in a way, but it's a positive burden, you know. So you, you, it, it ends up that you have to be universal. You have to basically be, um, um, uh, you have to cater to, uh, to understanding others and you have to make an, an, an extra effort to understand others. I mean, you know, understanding others and knowledge is not something that just happens uh, without, uh, without exercise. How do you understand the relationship to that burden? Is it something that you wear? Is it, where does it reside within you and does that change over time? I mean, I'm, I'm 50 now, right? So um, uh, I think that, uh, you know, it, 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 had, it, it had a lot of impact. Um, it, it, it grows with you. Okay, so when I was 19, I started the first NGO or first nonprofit organization that wanted to focus on um, issues of heritage and, and, and so forth. And um, uh, I remember at the age of 19 and we're, we're going to, you know, we're in McLean, Virginia, and we're uh, with two or three other cousins uh, and we're meeting with this legal firm and we're now convincing them we want to do this. And, and they're surprised. I mean, we're just a bunch of young kids, right? So. Uh, and then we're going out and convincing some uh, one of our aunts, which was like uh, she's she's in her uh, uh, early forties. She she has to be the president of this organization because we're not in the U.S. We're going back to the Middle East. So, um, so I think that lo looking at that with in in in, in retrospect, it's, it's 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 it keeps growing, right? I mean, first of all, you might have an interest. Uh, your the world for you is your family and your extended family. But then with time, you find that the world is not really uh, just your family. It's, it's, the, it's the city, it's the country, it's the nation, it's the, uh, it's, it's the people around you. And, um, and I think that's really where it's, it's continuously um, uh, sharpened, let's say, my view of things. Uh, when I was in Procter & Gamble, I would um, um, uh, you know, take that experience in, in, in you know, in, when, when you're in human resources and, and PNG, what I really loved about that experience was that um, it, it fits so well in, in human resources with what my interests were also. So we were talking about organization excellence and people excellence and how do we deliver both? And that if you can deliver organizational excellence or people excellence, then you deliver you know, um, um, exponential growth. You deliver change, uh, paradigm shifts. You uh, you get more market share. You sell more product, right? So, so the the um, uh, so these two uh, uh, simple statements um, uh, also basically, you know, um, you know, you, you just pick them up and you keep growing, right? So, um, so if you add them uh, with that universal interest, it becomes that okay. Well, how do I deliver people excellence? at a national level, at a state level, at a city level. So again, so, thinking very universal. I, I think that, yeah, I mean, the, the uh, life, at least from my opinion, uh, doesn't have much meaning if, uh, if one is um, consumed in uh, self-preservation, right, or, or in personal success. Uh, um, you could be very successful um, and um, but you don't have any impact on the society that you exist in. 
um, you could take a lot from that. I mean, success translates is, is a translation of you taking from that society in some cases. Uh, I mean, you know, corporate social responsibility came as an outcome of corporates realizing that we've taken a lot, okay, and we've become very successful. And uh, we were family businesses, you know, from the uh, times of the Carnegies or the uh, Rockefellers. Um, 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 you know, they, they, uh, they took a lot, and now it's time for them to give back. So you find a lot of the endowments and a lot of the uh, institutions uh, that give back in the U.S. are really very much rooted in that, in that philosophy. So, so I think that um, uh, it would be much better for society if, you know, from the get-go, your focus is not really to take from society, it's really to give back to society. So, so you want to design your career, your, your life, uh, your livelihood. The definition of success is that success is not, a, is, is not personal, success is universal. So, so if you take that into consideration, then, you know, it does change how you decide on what job you take, um, you know, what you work on and what you don't. So, so, so more or less, it's, uh, it's, it's um, uh, a very much, um, or very much a, 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 an approach to life that has a lot of implications uh, for the people around you. If you don't mind me asking, I, I think it's incredibly fascinating, the, the history and that you're a descendant of the Prophet Muhammad. Talk about, because I don't think the West under, has a, would have an understanding, and so I'll represent broadly. <laughs> I'll take some, some, some license here uh, with all due respect and deference to the audience and to you in trying to understand and to encapsulate how that would impact a life trying to think universally, trying to think beyond one's sort of physical self and the way in which they engage, support, understand, reconcile what's going on around them and live in the 21st century? Well, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, um, uh, it's, it's a big you know, responsibility um, that, you know, there, you, you, could, you could, I mean, it's a reality that you can't take away, right? I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's a fact. So how you live with that fact, you can have people that can just say, you know what, I'm, I don't want this to be uh, the guiding torch for my life. And, and, uh, um, uh, and they take a different track or they take a different path. Um, but, but overall, I think that it's, it's, it's the uh, realization of what, what he represented. I mean, I, uh, um, I was very much influenced by um, Thomas Carlyle. I mean, he basically wrote a book once called On Heroes and Hero Worship. And, and he selected these different heroes, you know, the hero of the gods and hero of poets. And there was, in his opinion, the hero of all prophets. And, and Thomas Carlyle was a lecturer who was basically giving lectures in the UK, uh, uh, 19th century. Uh, and the way that he positioned that hero, uh, first of all, that he selected Muhammad to be that hero, um, was because of... Um, the, the nature of the story and how it began, right? It was, and, and I was really touched by when he was describing, it was one man against all men. I mean, it was, it was literally, um, and in a way, it, it's, it's a, uh, I mean, as a metaphor, it's like a startup moment. It's one individual coming in and sitting there and saying to everybody around him, listen, I mean, um, I think that this is the right thing that we all should do, right? A, uh, we need to believe in what in, in this context, uh, you know, um, the oneness of God, and 
Um, but, but the message that he basically brought was new, uh, disruptive, right? It was, um, uh, it was scary for uh, the, the, the elite of that time. It meant that um, uh, equality would be in place versus uh, the, the, the structure that they had been very much used to and very comfortable with. Um, um, it was interventionist um, in, in many ways. He, um, he basically came in and said, well, you know what? Um, uh, there's, there's this uh, 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 economic instability between the rich and the poor, I'm, and, and I have a suggestion in terms of how I want to address it. Um, and, and it became very detailed. Uh, I think that what, uh, what, what, what many might benefit of by understanding is that the level of detail he spent, let's say, you know, it's like a product, right? So he designed this product in a way that um, um, is a reflection of genius, regardless of, you know, you believe in him being a prophet or not. But um, at, you know, at that specific moment, this man uh, designed the product and that product took into consideration every potential element of life that you might get into. So, and, and on top of that, he said, well, this is not just for the Arabs and, and, and him sitting there. I mean, if you sit in, in that moment where he's in Mecca, middle of nowhere, right? Um, uh, and, and to the east, you have the Persian Empire, and to the west, you have the Byzantine Empire, right? And you have the, you know, the, 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 the superpowers of that time. And, um, and he, 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 um, he states that this is a universal message by sending these messengers out, and, and they go and meet with these representatives, and they say, hey, uh, um, you know, my name is Muhammad, I'm, 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 I'm back in, uh, in Mecca, and I want to tell you that I have this universal message that you all have to subscribe to, okay? Um, and, and it's not just a, a general statement, it's really detailed. And, and, and as I said before, it's very disruptive. So if you look at it from that angle, it really becomes an inspiration, you know, that it's an inspiration of um, starting something from scratch. It's an inspiration of um, standing in front of a crowd with a different opinion and not basically being fearful of sharing that opinion, um, of the, the, um, uh, the agony of delivering whatever it is that you want to deliver. Um, I think one element that uh, those that don't see him as a prophet find much more enlightening and inspiring is that they see him as a human being. Um, and, and, and many people that see his prophethood took away that humanity from him. He was a human being, and, and he is a human being. And you know, he has his bad days and his uh, good days. And, and, um, um, and, and, and in that context of him being a human being, um, the genius comes out, you know, the, the, uh, the commitment to, to the development of the product, right? So, um, and uh, the commitment to deliver it in so many different ways, right? And for it to be flexible, that it you know, exists today in, in 2022 in a way that really inspires me as an individual, where um, I see that uh, that universal perspective that he wanted to get out um, and, and, and the challenges that he was willing to overcome and the disruption that he was willing to introduce um, is one that guides me in everything that I do. I mean, you know, so it's... Uh, 
um, what is innovation other, other than you know being disruptive, right? And and um, uh, and and rejecting the status quo and saying you know well we need to change this because it's not working and uh, um, it's going against the crowd. It's not it's 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 being um, it's being uh, the odd one out, right? And 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 not and not being intimidated by being the odd one out because being the odd one out actually, as we've now realized, is the uh, um, uh, is is the reason for humanity progressing? Uh, you know, we've if if it wasn't for these individuals that basically said, "I don't think this is right," um, we would be in a different position today. Was there a point when you were a youth, a young boy, that you internalized the relationship to the prophet? At what point? At what age did you one understand the gravity, and then? And maybe in the same vein, embrace. Well, I mean, um, I guess it, it, it is in, in my situation uh, very contextual. So it's it's uh, um, uh, you know th this discussion started at a very early age. It's, it started probably at the age of thirteen and fourteen when uh, um, you know one had the opportunity of sitting with uh, people, uh, scholars, different backgrounds, different experiences. And and opening up and 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 having these continuous discussions, and the approach that uh, you know when I was basically educated early on, uh, I guess this is uh, not 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 your typical school education, um, but was that it was very um, uh, it was rooted in arguments, you know, so it was rooted in in uh, that you, in, in in opinions being created by. Um, discussions, all right. So, and, and I think one very important point that I would highlight is, um, which actually maybe you know stands out in in vis-a-vis uh, -vis the current today, uh, I would say dominant approach to things is the um, uh, how how I grew up looking at scripture versus uh, versus reason or logic. Okay, and and. Um, and for us, um, um, uh, or for me at least, when I was being, being brought up, um, uh, logic supersedes uh, or, or has this much higher position versus scripture. So, um, so if, 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 if scripture doesn't fit with logic, logic basically gets the upper hand, put it that way. So, and, and that um, uh, you know, guided the, 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 how does one embrace this, uh, this, this, this message? It, it, uh, it's a different opinion of 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 what uh, uh, my relationship with with Muhammad basically uh, is and was. I mean, so it's uh, um, I think it's very much different than uh, you know um, the hundreds of millions of of uh, Muslims today that might see it in a different way, which you know they see scripture having always an upper hand versus logic, so uh, or reason, and 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 I think that even applies to so many others. I mean, when you read. Uh, uh, the history of God by Karen Armstrong. You basically see that that uh, interesting parallel where, um, if you bring together those that see uh, reason is the upper hand that should guide us, um, I think the world will be in much, much, much better place today. Uh, but the uh, uh, but since you know we basically. Uh, f uh, you know, take into consideration certain opinion, whatever that opinion is, it becomes the uh, the fortress that we uh, live in, and we start to defend. And we feel that any encroachment on that fortress is an encroachment on us. And 
and it's beca- it becomes so difficult to create any bridges between people because there's no reasoning that can basically bring people together. Um, so I think I mean that, that you know 15s up to up to the early my my, my mid 20s is when really that um, uh, the opportunity of uh, reading uh, you know uh, getting exposed to uh, to that uh, line of thought was very much uh, interesting and uh, and it became second nature. I mean, this is how the discussion is with between my my elder brother and myself. Uh, um, or uh, between my siblings, or between the uh, uh, the community that that that, that surrounds me, it's always basically about how do we um, um, how do we solve problems, um, and um, uh, because I mean you know if if you uh, you can always be content with uh, with uh, uh, the status quo again, and and I would highlight another uh, I guess uh, um, important. Uh, um, piece of knowledge that I was exposed to, again, a reflection of what he represented, is, is, the, is the issue of destiny, right? So the, the, um, so the, the um, um, you know, I guess contrary to you know, c- common understanding in many ways, is that we're not destined by any specific power to be this or that. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's what we create. It's what we do. And, and um, um, and I think that the more that you believe that there's this, uh, that, that, that whatever superpower you or super being or reason for existence that you believe in uh, is, is interventionist at, to the degree of your day-to-day, um, um, uh, the less, uh, you know, the less uh, creative and innovative I think that you might be. Yani. So the, um, um, and, and, and the more apologetic you will be for actions that others might do because, you know, well, maybe we were destined to be like this. Um, um, so I think that it took away any, uh, I, I think when you embrace that mindset that, that you, you, one grows up with, it took away the ability to find any excuse, right? If you fail, it's because you failed. Um, if you did a bad job, it's because, you know, you just screwed up and you did a bad job. I mean, um, it, and and um, there's no excuse. You can't go and say, well, you know, God basically destined this for me or God wanted that. I mean, uh, you can't bring God into the argument. Um, uh, and it's, it's, um, uh, it, it creates this, in a way, this, uh, uh, you, you become very vulnerable to your reality, right? I mean, you want to change things, you have to work hard to change those things. There, there, there won't be any, uh, intervention that's going to come in and, and and give you this miracle that will take you from this space to that space. So I think it's 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 uh, it's the message that you know re- stayed with me until today, where um, uh, we as individuals can make the change that we want to make um, if we adopt that change and work hard for it. Um, um, that's basically it. We were talking before uh, we were recording about my my perception that the Middle East in general is a bit of a mystery to the West, and a lot of that is rooted in what is or isn't taught through schools or schooling for young people. So, you mentioned that around thirteen is when you started to learn about the fam- your family history, the right, and these lessons, and you talked about sort of the the, the vehicle of of the argument. Can you? take me in to a memory or paint that picture of what that looks like for someone who is not from 
this region would not be able to even understand what that might look like. You know, how many people are in the room? What's the experience like being a teenager? Are you there to listen? Are you there to participate? Well, I mean, it was, first of all, it's just very intimidating. I mean, you know, you're 13, 14, and, and, and um, you're being told to uh, create an opinion. Um, and you're being told that you're, you know, you, 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 in these specific issues, in, uh, when it comes to uh, theology and belief, um, you don't take up the opinion of others and you just adopt it. Um, you have to go through the cycle of you believing in it, right? Um, so, I mean, there's a big difference between knowing and, and, and believing in some things. And, and um, um, so the first time was, you know, I'm, I'm sitting with uh, very uh, old, fabulous gentleman. Um, he was married to uh, my father's cousin. And uh, he was a really uh, uh, cool scholar, I would say, right? So, I mean, I mean, he would, um, he, this individual, I, I used to come over wearing a, a redskin t-shirt, um, interested in, 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 in football. I mean, something that I was interested in at that point in time. And, and, um, uh, and you know, I have all these questions in my mind. And, uh, and, um, um, and for me, the easiest way out of this was just to say, okay, well, you know, What's the right thing to say here? Is, is, is there like a right answer so I can just get out of the room? And and his response to me in a very and it was a, the issue of does God exist, right? So, and uh, and and he said, well, you know, um, if I told you God does exist, that's not the right answer. Okay, you have to reach that uh, um, opinion independently. I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm 14. I mean, how the hell am I going to basically do that? Well, I mean, that's that's how the journey begins, right? So. So he put me on this on this um, on this path where, and, and we start to have discussions. And it's all about, um, well, you know, I would go and read about this opinion and that opinion, and and come back and give him, you know, that ret- 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 or start to talk about this, and and then and then he would give his his uh, um, uh, suggestions in terms of or his critique, let's say, um, and I would take that critique and and and. You know, do something with it, right? Because because uh, he wasn't going to just make it a simple yes or no answer. Um, so I think that's really uh, uh, one moment that um, I always basically go back to is um, uh, someone who had the authority, who had the capacity to just tell me, you know, this is how it is, and I could have just taken that home and and and, and lived with it. Um, instead, um, uh, insisted that. You know, this is a personal journey, and you have to go through it the same way that I did, and the same way that everyone else uh, has to. And 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 he took me back to, I mean, because that's how it is. That's how it should be. I mean, that's how the prophet basically became a prophet. That's how all individuals became whatever they wanted to become. Right? They they had they had the personal journey, and they had to create their own conviction, and they had to create their own opinion. And in doing so, that basically uh, makes you. Um, uh, unique and capable of uh, opening up and not being afraid or, or you know, difficult to get even intimidated by anyone, right? So, um, and that and that has stayed with with me for uh, for life, Lenny. So, um, and how was that something where like I almost picture like you were going every day, spending time with him, or what's give me some. Yeah, I mean, it was basically, it was, uh, um, you know, come back from school and uh, uh, I'd basically, um, 
uh, go back and, and uh, like it was, I mean, you know, school ends around 2 p.m. I think it was at 2.30 or something like that. And and I would be there around 4-ish, 5-ish. Uh, and my aunt, I mean, I call her aunt, and, um, uh, and it was very interesting because they, they, they were, we, we were living in this complex. Um, and on that floor, uh, there were uh, two aunts, right? Um, uh, their husbands shared the same first name, just a coincidence, I guess. Two different families, uh, Kuhlani versus Hadi. And um, uh, the, uh, the aunts had the first name, also shared the first name, Amat al-Malik and Amat al-Malik. And, um, uh, and, and, they, and they influenced me in a way um, which was really um, uh, different. I mean, um, his wife um, used to, she was so uh, calm and, 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 and caring, right? And uh, uh, she would always m- make me the, you know, a pot of tea and she would uh, uh, basically, uh, you know, always joke with me is that, and she would keep like uh, f- three different cups basically in front of the, in front of the pot. And uh, she would fill them, you know, the three of them basically, right? So, and she would tell me, you know, you can, you can leave class or leave the session after you finish the pot of tea. But to help you, um, you know, the first uh, cup will be a little bit, uh, you know, too hot for you to drink. So I'll put in the other two uh, glasses and, and you can, uh, they'll cool down so that you can drink them faster. So if you wanted to get out of this session faster. So, so um, and, um, and my other aunt, I used to pop in and, and, and see her. And uh, she was the first one that really influenced uh, identity, right? I mean, she... Uh, uh, she had a, 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 a picture of her father in in, in magnificent uh, you know dress and in 1927 in Rome in Italy right he he, he had headed a delegation from Yemen to uh, to Rome um, and um, uh, and then just took me on a visual journey that has never ended I mean right I mean I, it it uh, uh, I just loved photography and capturing photography and collecting photos. Um, I have like maybe around three to four thousand photos that I've collected across time, but um, but it's that journey, it's that it's that individual who in 1927 was in Rome. Clearly, uh, the the uh, you know the Benito Mussolini wanted to impress, so um, they showed him everything. I mean, the delegation was made of so many people. The parade uh, was uh, so long that one would think that he's the head of state when he wasn't. Um, and it just stayed with me, you know, it's, it's that humble aspect of wherever you are, it doesn't really matter if you appreciate who you are um, uh, and, and, and you're committed to a specific vision that you want to deliver, um, uh, that guides you on in, 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 a, in a continuous you know, manner, right? So, so it, was, it was really an interesting point to see uh, their influence in... in, in, in uh, uh, in identity, uh, you know who I am, uh, and 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 what I want to achieve in life, and and in um, uh, in reasoning, and how do I basically look at things, and how do I analyze them, and um, and how do I engage with them? So that I guess was a very interesting part um, or chapter in my life, which was uh, uh, something I miss a lot, and and I miss them all basically. I mean, they've passed and. Uh, um, and uh, if it wasn't for them, I think that, you know, one would be on a different uh, trajectory. What, <clears throat> as you talk about them, it, it, it appears very much so that they live within you today. Oh, very much. I mean, uh, they, uh, you know, they're, you, you always, uh, people that basically influence you, 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 it's very difficult for you to, uh, 
I mean, you know, they, they become part of your DNA. You remember the, the laugh, uh, uh, the smile, uh, the smell of the tea, uh, the way that they walk into the room, uh, um, uh, the tone of their voice. Uh, it's, it's just um, the, um, uh, to the extent of, you know, my, my father passed away and, and, and I remember, for example, you know, what people that really influence you give you these beautiful moments that just stay with you, right? I mean, uh, um, I always remember my father taking me to school in England. And um, so he's driving and, in, in, uh, you know, it's snow, it's, it's, it's cold, um, and he wants to smoke a cigarette. Um, very old traditional Yemeni music, cassette player being played, um, uh, a guy called Al-Harathi. Um, and, and, and he cracks the window a bit just to basically, uh, you know, um, uh, keep the smoke out but but that moment just stays with you right it's it's uh relaxed it's 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 the moment where you always want to be in right shared uh, space with your dad yeah i mean it's it's basically something that you find uh uh very different and unique about uh about the people that you live with understanding i mean you know you you, you put that in contracts against the challenge that he went through you know um his father being executed uh, his his all the people around him uh, uh, that he knew uh, executed, um, um, and then the restart, right? And the the reset. You know, you go from that in 1970 to 1970. It's a it's it's a total reset. Uh, he has to rebuild everything from scratch, right? Um, he's never going back to Yemen. He's going to live in uh, as 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 a political. Uh, uh, you know, asylum in the UK at that point in time, right? So the 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 um, um, and and it's and it's the focus and the emphasis on one thing that he and all uh, those that 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 were there at that time agreed on, which was the only thing that we can do right now is to educate, and that's really the message that the, that 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 um, you know stays with me and say every everybody that 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 I talk to is that. Education, knowledge, uh, personal development, um, um, with this universal outlook, is uh, um, is is uh, you know f the fundamental gift that you can give your children and the people around you and the society that you want to influence. Educate them. Headroom is produced by Old Soul, a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy Matt at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's A-O-L-D-S-O-U-L.com. And now, back to our guest. And we fast forward, and rumor has it, Yusuf, that you were very passionate about VentureX, and that you really pushed hard to, to basically realize this, this sort of next step in supporting uh, projects of interest. Tell me about how your past and and even the experience of the teas, which is such a, a wonderfully, it just it, you painted such a, a beautiful picture, has gone into the passion of Venture X. Because when I think about it, you, you made the comment about the profit and startup, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And yet that's where we are today is really supporting the progress of what next might be might look like, how it might be realized for people and communities and those universally. Um, talk a little bit about why Venture X 
given your background and the way in which you see the world? Well, I mean, VentureX, uh, uh, so in, in, I have to go back, I mean, 2012, 2011, 2012. So 2011, 2012, I just felt that I was um, in Saudi Arabia, uh, living in Jeddah uh, with my wife and kids. And, um, um, and I reached this, this, this clarity, let's say, that um, that impact that I wanted to realize um, uh, was not really happening. And, and uh, I could deliver financial and personal success, but it would be at the expense of uh, doing what I wanted to really do, right? So the, the uh, um, and that would be, how can I influence others in a way that would uh, change a, 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 a social structure and allow it to be empowered, enabled, um, to be emboldened to deliver whatever aspirations that they basically had. And we did this uh, uh, assessment then where, okay, we need to, we're, we're, we're going somewhere else. Okay. And, and um, um, at that point in time, you know, we had different opportunities. Uh, England was an option. Uh, the UAE was another and Jordan was, 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 uh, was also there. And, and, and Oman, uh, Muscat. And, uh, um, and we, we went and actually did these field visits where, where we basically did this assessment of how do we, um, uh, uh, you know, where do we stay? And, and, and Jordan, I mean, has had a very long history with my family. Uh, I mean, since my great-grandfather, uh, uh, more or less there's been this involvement with, with, with Jordan. But I personally haven't, had, had not been in Jordan or lived in Jordan. Um, uh, my father spent some time here, but... Um, I didn't have any experience. Uh, I was brought up in Beirut. So, and I felt that actually, and when we spent time here, this was the perfect sp spot to, to A, um, uh, use it as a, uh, um, um, uh, in, as, as this uh, point where you can stand on and say, okay, well, how do we, how do we deliver this change? And, and the reasons were so obvious, right? I mean, um, the structure of the economy, the challenges of the region. Uh, um, uh, you know, 2012 was already, uh, and, and historically, Jordan has always been challenged eastward, uh, you know, west, uh, north, south, whatever. So, so you always had these very challenging situations uh, from economics, uh, politics, uh, um, and and so, so how do you how do you create this out of nothing, right? And, and I was really always impressed by the by, by, by the story of Jordan in terms of how it was created in the early 1920s. It was carved out of out of nothing, right? And and um, um, and look where it is today. So you know, so it's a hundred years since then. And um, so the the um, so I felt that this is a place where potentially I can contribute and I can try to do something. Um, and uh, I was, you know, blessed with the opportunity of um, uh, having this random meeting with uh, 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 Faisal, uh, and 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 he invited me to consider leading uh, an accelerator, a startup accelerator that was uh, Oasis Five Hundred. Then, it still is an active uh, accelerator, but it was it was a different structure then. It was an opportunity for me to get to understand and 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 you know, long story short, as I became the CEO of this entity, so. Um, and that's where I started to formulate, okay, well, how do we do this? How do we do this in a different way? How do we, um, um, it doesn't work by just 
you know, copy and paste, you know, to take the word startup and basically apply it in a, in a, in a Jordanian or Middle Eastern context, or take away all the verbatim, you know, angel investors, uh, venture capital, um, uh, the whole value chain of how do we create value uh, that is disruptive. Um, and why did it have to be different? Well, because our context is very different. I mean, it takes us back to the point where the understanding of the Middle East, um, um, uh, the um, uh, just to you know, put a put a general uh, baseline that people should basically should, should should take into consideration when you're looking at the Middle East is a um, the Middle East gives the impression that it's uh, for, for, for some that maybe people speak multiple languages. Well, they don't. So uh, the Middle East is not the right representation of the Arab world. So if you take North Africa from Morocco uh, to the borders of Iran, Iraq, basically, um, and you go from Syria down to Yemen, they all speak one language, right? So you have 400 million individuals that have one unifying language. Dialects, of course, might be different, uh, just like they are in any, you know, from state to state in the U.S. probably, but not to, to the extent where um, uh, they, they, they don't understand each other. They all do. The other... Um, uh, very important uh, revealing uh, um, um, uh, challenge, I guess, is is the age issue, right? So th this this is a very young population. Um, Seventy five percent are younger than the age of thirty five. In some countries, um, uh, sixty would be the, under the age of um, uh, fifteen. Okay, so fifty percent in in many countries across the board would be under the age of uh, fifteen. So you have a very young population. What does that mean? It means that the velocity of change that you can witness in a specific country um, is something that you can't witness anywhere else. Every five years, you can have a totally new society. Um, if you, you know, if 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 you're ten years old, five years later you're fifteen, you could have a different adoption rate for um, for concepts, ideas. Uh, um, uh, values, principles, everything can change for you. If you're 15, you'll be 20. So you could, so the, the, that that velocity of change is something that you can't witness elsewhere. So the the um, and 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 in an extended version of uh, this region, you might find that applied across uh, you know countries as far as Latin America and as the whole Islamic world. If you take that as a common denominator, going back and going as far east as Indonesia and Malaysia. Um, so that then translated the necessity that um, um, we need to be disruptive. Okay, we need to uh, deliver uh, uh, exponential uh, growth, and, um, and we can only do that if if the numbers add up. Um, uh, the um, so having one accelerator in Jordan will not will not basically give you that 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 change. Or having twenty across the Middle East, or thirty, or forty, will also not do so. Um, uh, corporates are saturated. Uh, government agencies are saturated with the employment of the masses that they basically employ. So, um, so the accelerator concept uh, uh, evolved with me. That it's not about accelerating startups. It's uh, um, it's about accelerating change because this young generation demands that change, and and they need that change, um, and an acceleration. Again, for me, became became a tool to level the playing field. Right? So, if you looked at the last fifty or hundred years, um, like any other society, uh, the economics play in favor of 
those that were landlords and then they became uh, business people using their assets as collateral to you know, progress themselves. And that, I mean, you could see that even in the US um, and, and, and Europe and any other place, frankly. Um, um, the ownership of land was the basis for progression. Uh, uh, capitalism uh, you know, was, was very much rooted in that. Um, um, and, and struggles were always about how do we level the playing field, right? I mean, Marxism only happened because uh, the issues of capitalism were, uh, were a growing philosophical issue that we're not basically delivering equality um, for the masses. Right? So, so acceleration uh, and, 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 and startups and, and, and creating new ideas and supporting new ideas levels the playing field because the first couple of things that, that, that we witness in a, in a new concept or an idea or a new startup is that a, um, uh, a startup is only successful if you deliver exponential growth, so therefore you deliver exponential growth in income. And the average income within that structure um, um, is much higher than the average income outside of that, uh, let's say, economic unit. Um, the second thing is, is wealth. Um, um, the founders own a piece of that, of that, of that startup, right? So if that startup does deliver exponential growth, then the individuals themselves um, 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 grow in wealth because their equity values and appreciates on you know, on a continuous basis. The second, uh, the third thing is that if you are successful, you disrupt on a much larger audience in the Middle East, right? And, and in the Middle East, um, if you look at agri-food tech, I mean, we all started with talking about uh, Hassad and, and why was Hassad? Because the, the, the bulk of the world are, you know, works in farming. I mean, if, 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 um, uh, regardless of the numbers, but one could say that uh, the majority of people that work today are farmers or involved in farming or involved in the cycle of food production, or are heavily impacted by, uh, you know, getting getting this to the shelf or whatever. So, so the whole cycle, the whole value chain, is basically something that you can benefit from. Um, unfortunately, and I, I, you know, when you look at the economics of the farmer in the Middle East, uh, then that farmer is the, uh, you know, the last in 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 the value chain when it comes to benefiting from from the dollar that was created because of him. Um, So acceleration and startups um, disrupt that and reward him more or reward her more for that matter, right? So so you find that uh, um, uh, acceleration, innovation, um, uh, disruption in general uh, in in, in the innovative aspect of it um, uh, levels that playing field where the founders are getting better, um, uh, their, their income is getting better, they're becoming more wealthier, um, uh, and, and even across the value chain, everybody's benefiting because you only disrupt if you, you, know, uh, if you find people solving a problem for the farmer. So the farmer now can sell uh, uh, directly into export, let's say, or so into- So change is inclusive. Change is very inclusive. And, and for me, that was a, um, it fit with, with the narrative that I always was interested in, is, is you, 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 can, you can deliver personal success but it could be very exclusive. And you want to be inclusive. You want to have this universal impact. So how can you, how can you do that? You do it by pushing this narrative forward, by localizing it to fit our, uh, uh, our unique situation. So 
maybe we don't need to use the word entrepreneur if it's going to be alien to the people that you're talking to. Uh, maybe the word startup. I mean, if you look at it, uh, when you give a startup $30,000 in a Middle Eastern context, if you gave an SME $30,000, I mean, you could see that SME flourish and, 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 and grow exponentially in the same way that you might have seen a startup do that, right? Um, and, and it took us away from traditional thinking. So it meant that we wanted to accelerate a whole at, at a national level. Um, and, and that's how the discussion happened. So, you know, Walid and I used to always have these discussions since we were uh, involved, or I was at least then the CEO, and he was on the board in, in, in that context at the times of, of, of Oasis. And I felt that Oasis was not uh, going to be that platform. Right? And um, um, so I got the opportunity and the chance to you know, play with these ideas. I mean, the the um, uh, I was asked to um, lead something called the Innovation Solution Board, which were, which was an opportunity for me to, to to depart from Oasis and spend like a sabbatical of a year, where I was doing nothing but really um, uh, dedicated myself to how is this going to work, right? And 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 what does it mean that we want to accelerate? I mean, one can just say, and you know, you can write it up and and, and talk about it, but how do you really deliver it? Um, and, uh, and it wasn't really rocket science. I mean, you know, you went and looked at the global innovation indexes and you went and saw what other countries were basically doing. But for me, it was, it was much simpler than that. It was, what, what were we doing, right? I mean, we have a youth, uh, a, a, a platform of youth. We have so many young and bright minds um, tested uh, in other situations. If you go anywhere in, 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 in the Gulf, for example, predominantly, I mean, um, and you walk into uh, uh, you know the IT organization of of this telecom or that telecom, this bank or this or, or that bank, um, you might find that, that there's a lot of Jordanians sitting there, right? And 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 um, so uh, engineers, uh, you know, people who build structures. Uh, so the, so so the human capital te was tested, but we weren't we we were not inspiring enough anymore for that talent. So you found, um, so I spent time during that year um, just walking campuses, walking, you know, as they say, you know, uh, walking through the aisles, right? So, and talking to people. And um, you found that the top two, 3% um, wanted to do something else in their lives, right? I wanna do a, a master's PhD program and I'm gonna do it outside of Jordan. And, and then the top 15% following that um, were saying, you know what, I'm going to basically uh, go and get a job outside of the country. And um, uh, and then you know the fifteen percent after that were basically more or less um, uh, very much interested in, in in freelancing because freelancing can give them much more income than if they were doing a job. And 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 then the uh, you know, the end of the bell curve, um, the expectations of them from the sector were so high that they would just didn't make sense. I mean, I, my first job, as I said, was human resources in P&G. You don't deliver people excellence by taking someone out of uni and telling him, um, or telling her, you have to code and this is what you need to do and, and, and you need to deliver this and that. And they just came out of, you know, they're wet behind their ears. I mean, they, they need guidance, right? They need career progression. They need um, incubation. Uh, incubation. They need, they need someone to, to believe in them, to become that, what I started to term as the first believer. So, so I took this 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 metaphor from, uh, you know, from from the prophet basically is the importance of being that first believer. You have to believe in 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 these individuals, right? And um, um, uh, and even in the context of angel investing, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 
the the uh, it, it's it's how things start and begin, right? Um, I don't think that many uh, might appreciate the reality that this whole thing that began a thousand four hundred plus years was bankrolled by the first angel investor, uh, and she was Khadija, right? And and um, and and she was his, the love of his life. I mean, I mean, but 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 she believed in that individual to the extent that she was financially committed, and uh, and 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 if it wasn't for that financial capacity, this would have basically totally, you know, um, found a, a very short end uh, to to the whole story. So, so I think that 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 element of uh, be, being being uh, sensitive to what uh, the, this 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 group of uh, minds need is that a they need individuals to believe in them uh, to 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 uh, uh, level that playing field to give them the opportunity to improve their uh, their income levels in a way that is dramatically better than if 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 uh, if they had a job and even if they were freelancers. So so now you're starting to go more and more towards the retention of that talent and the retention of those ideas within your own society, right? So so if I'm a PhD program um, or I'm interested in doing a PhD, um, I would you know I'll basically go out and um, uh, innovate. Create that intellectual property, but there's now this 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 uh, this program, this acceleration, this incubation that can um, um, anchor that IP, grow it for me, and reward me for it. Right. So 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 everything starts to oh well I can solve problems uh, at at a national level, and then I can take these problems and solve them and and use them and as I apply them and 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 um, validate them on a more on, on a more regional level, and then I can take them on a more global level because. It, it, it starts from, from uh, everything has a start and, and, and the end is basically what you decide. You, you talk about it as if you're almost creating a family-like experience. Yes, it is. I mean, at the end, I mean, when, when VentureX, um, so, you know, moving from that one year, um, we, dis we, we started to see that the, the tool that would realize this would be uh, a new venture. And... Uh, we didn't really have a, a name for it, so we just thought, okay, well, X, uh, so Venture X, right? So uh, uh, I guess some might say- There was a lot say, of whiteboarding going on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, and, 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 um, and, and it was really just making it really simple. It's, it's, um, it's okay, what are we gonna do? We're gonna basically um, uh, create a, 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 a platform which can uh, cater to the aspirations of, of the audience that we wanted to work with, and, and and be and and be that network. We be be that safety net. Um, uh, be a family in a way, right? And and talk to them. Um, and the program really started to become more of just talking to each other. Right? It, it wasn't like it, it, it. You know, initially when people think about acceleration and startups, it's like these building blocks. You have to do this and you, you have do to do this, that. So you, and you do it's that. It's like plug and play. Yeah. And 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 my approach was that, um, and the thinking there was that no, I mean it's about having a discussion. Um, um, it's about, uh, and, and that discussion should potentially give way to creating a strategy. And, um, and I started to, you know, talk more about, we have to be, again, 
uh, very humbled by the word strategy. Strategy is a big, big word, right? Um, um, only, and, and um, I got the chance to hear A.G. Laffley, uh, he's the CEO of, of uh, Procter & Gamble, and uh, for like, what, it was nine, 10 hours talking about strategy. And, and, and it just gives you the context that this is, this is a big word, and, and you just don't throw it into a discussion. Oh, this is, this is my strategy. So, so the discussion was all about how do you really create something that's very unique and different for you, and that becomes your strategy, and it differentiates you. It makes you stand out. It uh, gives you an edge. It gives you more market share. It gives you uh, uh, a share of voice. It uh, allows you to uh, be more um, instrumental in, 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 uh, in creating a need for those that you're trying to uh, uh, solve a problem for. So they now they need you. They want to use this uh, product or the solution that you basically have. Or they or if it's not a solution, if it's not even technical, because we then had this d debate where, but is it just technical? And and we decided that the second accelerator we we're going to build. I mean, the first one was in agri-food tech, Hassad, and the second one was um, in the creative industries. All right. So how can I convince this young lady who's who, who, and, and her passion is for dancing? on becoming part of a dance company, right? And, 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 and that's not technology, but, but, but it's something that you want uh, people to succeed in. I mean, it's not everybody has to be uh, successful in, in, in tech. It's, uh, I want to be successful in theater, in, uh, in film. In, um, so we created Ibda, uh, 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 which was the Arabic word for creativity and innovation. And, and it became our response to advocating that um, uh, the, the you know, accelerating economic growth is not uh, uh, going to be done by one specific sector. It has to be all sectors and they all have to be on board and, and you have to address their different and diverse requirements. Um, and you know, so you, you step back again and you find, okay, well, there's, what's the bigger vision? Let's, let's ask ourselves again, what's the bigger vision? So the bigger vision was we wanted to accelerate and we wanted to do that at a national level. So we advocated with uh, the Ministry of Digital Economy and, and Entrepreneurship here in Jordan and, 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 and they adopted and we launched a strategy. Uh, we, I, I call it a strategy versus a program or which was Accelerate Jordan, is, is how do we accelerate the whole, of the, the, the whole country, right? How do we um, um, uh, deliver faster, uh, stronger results? Uh, because you know, we have a, the, the, this youth bulge that, that is going to be very demanding. And, and we can't wait uh, you know, five, 10, 20 years until things get fixed. So, so you have to do it at a, a much, much faster rate than than anything else. So that matches the young population. It has, to, it has to basically meet their expectations and their aspirations. Um, uh, and, and, and it has to be designed around them, not around yourself. Okay. Um, uh, some, for example, uh, have advocated, and then I guess that's my personal opinion, but is that, um, you know, we should, some talk about outsourcing and, and, and that uh, Jordan or Egypt should be an outsourcing center. Uh, I, I always feel that whenever you start to design things around what corporates want, you're not really designing things around what people want. And, um, uh, and if you design around what people want, people will surprise you. They'll surprise you that they have uh, much higher expectations. Uh, they want uh, um, um, uh, you know, a much, much, much better life than what you wanted to offer them. And uh, keeping them at a specific cap 
is you're capping uh, dreams and you're capping potential, um, and and it doesn't work. And I think that the the more that you give people voice and and the opportunity to uh, uh, own their destiny, right? Um, um, it 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 they they uh, they have the right to be more demanding, and and it's now on you to work on designing something that can meet them halfway, so that you really can get the opportunity of um, uh, of delivering uh, uh, something in the next three years, and and then uh, and then the three years after that. Okay, um, uh, so I think that the the um, the importance of designing around people. Is is also uh, it, it makes you much more inclusive and 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 um, it it gives you the opportunity to be more attentive to what it is that they need and they require um, and that's why you know we 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 did a partnership with the Royal Film Commission because um, and and we start to educate people right um, with the um, uh, Jordan Media Institute talking about media and and talking about things that you know. How do you become this great creative director that can create this creative agency that can be competitive and compete with uh, Leo Burnett or Saatchi, right? Uh, how can you grow and, and start to capture clients uh, uh, by sitting in an office in New York? Okay. And, and, and for me, the other very important element is focusing on cities versus we just want to grow. And and I, I you know I know that a lot of focus has always been around you know going from Jordan to the region. Um, for me, it's going from Jordan to to a city, and 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 there are you know two three cities that I see are what I call growth catalysts. Um, uh, a city like Berlin in, in in Germany. If I can take a startup, if I can take someone from here to validate and grow, um, uh, to capture more ideas, to enrich and, and get more access to R&D and, and, and research and to share and notes and then, and then use that also as a platform to, to basically capture more capital, um, you serve both, both regions, right? You serve a, a better understanding of, of uh, these societies. Uh, you you, you complement uh, views. Um, a city like Amsterdam, uh, London, Paris, uh, uh, and, and spending time there, you really get to understand that these are opportunities to bring more talent, um, uh, to diversify your team, uh, to, uh, to be capable of doing things that can serve a greater purpose. Uh, I was once invited by the World Bank to work on launching uh, Startup Jamaica, right? Uh, out, of the, you know, out of the blue, right? I mean, so, and, and what I noticed there is, 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 is a great opportunity. Uh, an opportunity for Jordan to work on launching a, a startup program, the first startup program of its kind in Jamaica. Because Jamaica, for me, represented that opportunity of diversification. You had, you had people who spoke English, and you did that quite well. But just around the corner, you basically had people who spoke French and, 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 and Spanish. And uh, you add Arabic to that, and you have the whole universe in, at, at your feet, more or less, right? That's the that's the these are the languages of 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 the world today, more or less. I mean, if you if you if you if you don't add Chinese, but the 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 um, so it's always about about growth and how do you grow and 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 again, if you design things around people, you really will will always be surprised by what they want to achieve.
So I want to talk about your relationship with saying yes and or saying no in the context that when you were 14, you learned an early lesson through your three cups of tea that it wasn't about just getting the answer that you thought you needed to put forth, but it was about your journey, which of course, or it seems, uh, you know, too easy to, to show the parallel to an incubator, to a, a youth that has an idea. So how has your role in understanding the power of self-discovery impacted your ability to support those that are a part of VentureX? Well, I mean, I'm, well, one thing that I found um, uh, challenging is that it's very alien to people. Um, you know, the, the, the bulk of those that I more or less have interfaced with is that they, um, you know, I've had the chance to work with more than 180 startups. Um, and um, uh, speaking to founders, uh, uh, and, and when I say worked with them, is you know, you've worked closely. But in terms of exposure, you know, you talk to a startup, uh, I remember this tour I did and, you know, a start, startup in Shanghai thinking in the same framework and, and, and mindset in a startup that was in Berlin. Um, we were there in Helsinki for uh, uh, slush and, and, and um, there's, first of all, there's this one common denominator amongst many of them is uh, that, 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 um, that they want handholding. I mean, you know, they, 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 they want to be told what to do. Um, um, and that's sometimes their expectation of a accelerator or of a program once they join it, is that they come into it uh, with the assumption that you know more than them, right? And therefore, you need to tell me what I need to do. And uh, I remember a discussion I had at the Innovation Solution Board because there was a board and, 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 and people were saying, well, now we have to guide people. And my re response to that was that, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm guiding them, then I'm not getting the best of the crop. I mean, they're, they're you're, supposed you're, to be... You're capping their participation. Yeah, uh, and ex exactly. And, and um, uh, I need to be with people that are smarter than me, uh, that are um, uh, intelligent, that can design something that I don't even understand what the hell it is, um, and, and to be capable of making this an invitation to unleash that even further, right? So, so it's, and, and that's alien to many individuals. Um, um, you know, so, so the first thing is, the first cohorts we had were, um, and, uh, were, were just like all the other cohorts we used to work with, which were ex-employees. Um, so first, first and foremost is first they, the, the, uh, that journey of self-exploration, in my opinion, of course, and this is just my opinion, um, um, has been handicapped by so many things, right? So, and then they, they, they move away from the company that they worked with with uh, a set of uh, uh, beliefs, um, a set of uh, convictions, um, um, a, an approach to things that they want to go and apply, and they want you to assist them in that application. So you, you, you're, you're, you know, it's not, it's not um, the innovation that you want to see and witness, um, and and the uh, uh, and 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 they're very much, you know, leaning on, you know, give me cash or or give me guidance, right? Uh, give me some capital. They're focused um, on the on the ending, not the journey. Not not the journey at all. I mean, they're they. Um, so the, so we we took away some things, right? So one. These accelerator programs uh, are, are, call them sweat equity programs in a way, right? So we don't give capital. 
um, uh, do you want to have this discussion? Right? Well, then um, this discussion is going to translate itself into equity in your company, in your startup. If you appreciate that, then great. If not, then you know, uh, we don't need to have this discussion to begin with. Um, but still with that, it, it, it was alien to them. It was that they still wanted someone to tell them, uh, do I go right or do I go left? Uh, should I do this or should I do that? Um, um, and, and, and that made us do this, uh, this pause. And uh, I mean, uh, we're talking as if there wasn't a, a crisis called COVID-19, right? Uh, a pandemic that basically took us into a freeze point in 2020 and 2021. But, um, but even during that, in, in the discussions going online and living in that situation and, 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 and uh, accommodating that drastic, stressful uh, moment in our lives, um, was that we, we need to work with people that are more open to creating something that's totally new, okay? And, and uh, uh, they, uh, you know, and, and they, they, they're at their starting point. So yeah, let's go back a little bit earlier. And, um, and I did this research, or uh, I mean, it's not like uh, focus groups and quantitative and qualitative, it's like dip, dipstick research, right? So where, where at least I looked at that 180, 200 startups, and I saw that, well, you know, 99% of all of these individuals are ex-employees. Uh, their first startup is, uh, and that's their first startup, right? So, so why don't we step back and go and encourage the creation of the first startup to be back on campus, right? And, and that's where your first startup should come from. And we went back to campuses and started to talk to students and, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, freshmen, sophomore, juniors, seniors. Um, why aren't you starting a company? Um, and, and I mean, you know that you're going to basically end up four years down the road, you're going to graduate. You know that the average income you're going to get at, 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 at the current uh, uh, offerings that companies will give you is not something that meets your expectations. Why aren't you basically launching a company you know, right here and, right, and, and now? Um, and you have this beautiful environment. I mean, it's a small village. It's 35,000 students in the Jordanian University. Um, it's subject matter experts um, at arm's length. You can go into this college or that college. Um, you can meet people. You can test ideas. And the beautiful thing about that is about this segment of, of youth. It's, it is the segment that you want to serve to begin with, right? It is the segment that you want to design around. And um, uh, they are arrogant, uh, which is good. I mean, they are... Um, uh, um, anti-status quo, which is exactly what you want, right? They're, uh, they, they're not happy with their current situation, um, which is the best you know, you, position that you want to be with and talking to. So um, they don't have respect for you. They, A willingness to go into the fray. Exactly. I mean, and, and, and when you come into that discussion, right, um, uh, the discussion becomes much more genuine. Uh, all right, so, so you want me to respect you? What, what are you going to add to this discussion? So then, then it really becomes much more fun. And, and, um, and then it becomes a, a much richer cycle of development. And then it becomes a much uh, uh, um, um, uh, you know, uh, important uh, exercise where you're designing, you know, take, bringing back to the point I mentioned earlier, where you're designing around the majority. You're designing around the people themselves. And, and they, as I keep always saying, is they will surprise you. I mean, they, uh, they will be smarter than you. They will be um, uh, much more in touch with the realities that you might have missed. And, 
um, and, and, and they want to deliver change because they have a totally different perspective on, on, on what change is versus what you've already defined it and now you're happy with and you're um, uh, comfortable with, right? So, um, and they want to move you at, 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 at an accelerated uh, uh, step that makes acceleration then really work. Have you found that your, your capacity to change has matched the velocity of the youth that you're working with? Well, I mean, as I said, I mean, it is, it is alien to, to, uh, to many because the, the educational system, the, uh, the, the social structure um, um, does not invite uh, self-exploration, right? Um, um, it's, you're always told, you know, you know, when you go and you listen to uh, a lecture sometimes or uh, if, 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 the, if X is wearing a religious uh, cloak or whatever it is, he's telling you that you need to be uh, content with what you have, right? And, and um, um, you need to accept where you are. I mean, that's, in a way, a, a, a universal message. If you go, if you're sitting in a, in, in, uh, in a church in Mexico City or, you're, or if you're in a mosque or if you're in a... Uh, uh, synagogue anywhere else it's 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 a uh, or, or or society in general they're, they're, it's always about being content why do you want to leave uh, uh, this and and um, and it's do not, something it, totally it's different a pris- uh, you become a prisoner of your own mind if you're content. it is i mean um, so i mean and 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 the arab world in jordan and anywhere else is not alien to that universal uh, uh, negative message in my opinion of course and um, is that um is this this acceptance? Uh, um, uh, you get married, and you're told you have to work hard to keep that marriage working. But what if it's not working, right? I mean, um, uh, it's just not working. Uh, divorce is not a bad thing. It's, uh, I'm not going to. It's not a stigma that I'm going to basically carry that you know I got divorced or that she got divorced. Uh, um, uh, but but so, so so that creates this this um, uh, this this you know the situation where. When you, where, where, where people think in that form. So when you're inviting them to think in a totally different way, it, it, it becomes very alien to them. It's very alien to their own societies, to their extended families. And um, uh, so it's, it's, it's been slow, okay? But uh, it's, it's a journey. I mean, you know, we just, we, we, you could say we kicked this off in April of 2019, okay? So um, we got to the first cohort uh, and from, from a conceptual perspective, we got to the first cohort towards the end of the year. Uh, that cohort was split half between uh, talking to, you know, just having a discussion and, and getting into COVID. Um, and then everything else, everything else went online uh, uh, with all the challenges and the issues that you can't function in the same way that you can function. So, so you have um, two years, two years and a half, I would even say. Um, I would even extend it from a, a practical perspective. I would say that we have four years that we have written off. It's two years in COVID, but even beyond that, there's, uh, it's, it's people getting out there again. And, and it doesn't happen overnight. Um, people still are, um, are scared. And, and you know, we just went from that to a conflict that's in, in, right next door in a way. And, and we have been living in a conflict and things just get worse and worse. And um, uh, you know, if you're in Lebanon, you just, you just uh, you're struggling that you don't have electricity uh, or even a functioning government. Um, um, uh, prices are going up. Um, uh, people are really 
uh, afraid. So, so you still have another two years where people will start to get back to normal in a way. And, and I think then that within this uh, opportunity, you're going out and telling individuals, have a reset in your life. Um, I think that there are things that also contributed positively. Uh, we all know about the, the great resign uh, and, and, and that. You, you know what I've heard recently? I wonder what, what your take is on this. I heard this in New York just recently, the largest collection of CEOs around the world. They talked about the great reset. I mean, it's, it's, it's a reality where um, uh, during that last two years, uh, uh, people saw themselves in the mirror, right? And, 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 um, and, they, and they, everybody started to look at life in a different way. And, and, um, and, and, and in that context, um, work was not the fundamental uh, purpose. Uh, financial success was not the end in mind. Um, the power differential shifted. Yeah. The it, value. It, it, I, I want to have, I, I want to basically have a legacy. I want to, I want to, I, I want to influence uh, the, the, uh, the society. Uh, we started to hear more about, I mean, we used to hear it before, but now even, even, even at, 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 in, 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 uh, in a much more louder uh, setting where, you know, impact investing. We want to be impactful in our, uh, in our approach to life. Um, we want to be in, in impactful jobs. Um, uh, I mean, my son comes to me and says, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to go down and buy used clothes. I mean, okay, why, why are you doing that? Because I don't want to basically be part of this uh, negative cycle where I'm negatively impacting uh, 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 the environment that surrounds me. Um, you, you, you see uh, uh, people much more relaxed and, 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 and in that they, they reflect more and they want to take control. They, 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 they want to take more control um, um, of their own lives. Authorship. Yeah, they, they want to be the writer of their own chapter. So if, Yusuf, if you and I are sitting down and let's say four to six years from now, how will you be evaluating, and success is a, can be a very loose term, uh, how, will we, how will we talk about success of Venture X given all the sort of starts and stops and the reset? How do you, how do you envision that discussion going? Well, I mean... Um... Uh, There are three basic uh, points that I mentioned earlier on. I mean, A, did we deliver a portfolio of companies from a number perspective? So five years down the road, do we have 600, 800, 1,000 companies that we've created um, um, that have uh, have become one of two things? Um, um, But in general, that they have delivered uh, above average income for the people that founded them. Uh, that they've delivered um, um, wealth for the for, for those that founded these entities and these companies, um, and and I don't make a distinction between a lifestyle business and, and and a startup. I mean, at the end, it's it's doing something that you want, and it's us basically participating in that journey. Um, and and it's did you contribute to the disruption that leveled the playing field? And how do you measure leveling the playing field? Is if you took a um, uh, a sample from the, uh, the, um, uh, the circle of influence that this specific startup or idea wanted to influence, did it make a change in their average income and in their uh, wealth that they wanted to deliver for them? Um, so if, if, if this startup worked with that farmer 
five years from now, six years from now, 10 years from now, did the farmer become richer? Did the farmer basically become uh, more affluent? Was he capable of serving his uh, children in a much better way? Um, uh, did you give that individual uh, a sense of being? And, and while you, the startup, uh, uh, gained and, 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 and grew and developed further and further. Um, uh, so I think that th these are the key fundamental uh, you know, uh, variables that will measure success for VentureX in, in all the uh, programs that we're launching and the capital that we want to deploy and the investments that we want to manage. Um, and, and, and I think that's really the philosophy that's guiding us and how we want to measure it. Let's close with this, Youssef. When I think back, again, I'm going to leave this interview and I'm going to be thinking about those three cups of tea. Is it fair to say that as you progressed in those conversations that bordered on arguments for you to learn, that you were okay with the heat of the tea, meaning that you would be there for longer periods of time because of what it meant to you, the development of you as a young man, that you enjoyed, you went there thinking, how can I get out of this, to how can I stay longer? I think you really summed it up. Uh, it, it, you, you get this, um, if you don't uh, uh, enjoy what you do, and um, uh, if, if, if you don't build up a passion for it with time, um, then it's not what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, I started at that very young age where this is not something I wanted to do, where, you know, this is something that I, want, that, that I miss. I mean, I, I, I want to go and have that tea. I'm waiting for that pot of tea to come out. And, um, um, uh, and, and, and I'm enjoying, and at the end, it used to get really cold because I'm just enjoying that, 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 that session, right? And, and, uh, um, uh, and, and I think that, that uh, uh, you know, differentiating point, which is how much do you really want this, uh, is, is something that I've seen that the more you see it in, in, in a founder or in any other individual, that's when you see results, okay? It's really, they really want this. Um, um, but if it's okay, you know, um, uh, yeah, I like this. It's a nice to have. Uh, that, you know, it's, it, 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 you, you reach a point where uh, anything will distract you and you'll just move on to something else. Um, uh, that, that fire within inside you to keep you going um, uh, doesn't exist. And, and, and if it doesn't, you're not going to basically deliver any change, whether for yourself, uh, the, way that, the way I describe change. Uh, I mean, as I said, you can be financially successful, um, but empty from inside. Uh, you could uh, you know, deliver a lot, but you don't, have a, you don't have a message. You don't have a, 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 um, um, a narrative that you can be very proud of when you talk to your children about it. And, and, and they can be proud of you because, well, you know what? Um, um, she wants to be an artist and she became an artist regardless of everything else. Uh, I'm very proud that my mother is an artist. Um, I think that's the best relationship you can have between any two individuals, uh, you know, mother, daughter, mother, son, uh, friends or whatever, is that they have this, this passion that they all respect and it inspires them and it's an aspiration for them to keep going on.
Well, you've inspired me during this discussion. You've filled my cup, and I hope that of the audience. And I would say that the next time I'm in Amman, I would love to to share a pot of tea with you as oh, a, a way to, to close, the, close the loop on an incredible conversation. Thank you for your time, your transparency, and for enlightening not just myself, but the audience. Well, thank you a lot. Thank you for the opportunity, and looking forward to having that cup of tea. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom. <laughs>